Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. It is a very abbreviated Friday edition of New York, New York. Yours truly, JJ John Stremsky. It's the middle of June. We are fresh off the Subway Series. We are getting ready for a weekend of baseball and going to do something a little different today. Brian Barrett joined us last week, and we broke down the whole minutiae of the Yankees-Red Sox Series, which ended up being a total dud. And let's hope this weekend is not a total dud. And hopefully the Yankee offense can be awoken in a place where you kind of got to be able to score if you're going to be able to win. You're not going to win a whole lot of 2-1 games at Fenway Park. So let's hope that the much maligned Yankee bats without Aaron Judge are going to be up to the challenge. But we decided for our local angle, which is, by the way, a segment of New York, New York that ends up on FanDuel TV each and every week. One of the many cool perks we have about the Ringer FanDuel TV synergy. It's a thing of beauty to behold. Bear and I got in a lab this week. And we went through the top five guys, my list of Yankees, his list of Red Sox, that thrived against the other. We threw together a top five list on that. And then we threw together a top five moment list from Yankee Red Sox games. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little annoyed hearing his list because of the success the Red Sox have had against the Yankees in postseason. 2004, of course, takes the cake. And then again in 2018, and then again in 2021. So the fact that I'm referencing like games in 1999 or regular season games didn't sit well with me. Nonetheless, we had a lot of fun with that. And if you really want to get yourself in the mood for Yankees Red Sox, I think you're really going to enjoy this. And I, I fully expect some of you to give me a hard time about some of the choices or some of the choices that were not present. And we will take it from there. So that's coming up with me and Brian Barrett to get you ready for Yankees and Red Sox, a little nostalgia angle uh, this weekend. Mets, really Cardinals come to town. Got to find a way to go and get two out of three. 
The Mets looked as sloppy as can be last night against the Yankees and lived to tell about it and lived to die another day. Took advantage of Cordero. Survived Icaf stealing home. Survived McNeil with a brain fart throwing a ball at Mark Vientos when he shouldn't have thrown a ball at Mark Vientos. The Cardinals, they are the biggest disappointments in baseball. The double-digit games basically under 500. The nine games out of first place. They got swept by the San Francisco Giants. They're always a team that you circle that can get hot because of their pedigree, because of what they've done for the better part of the last 15 years in baseball. But the Mets need to get it going. Will the win against the Yankees be the kind of spark that is desperately needed for them? We'll find out this weekend. We'll find out in a week. We'll find out in a month. That's when you're going to have a sense. That's when you're going to have a feel. So you pitch better. You get that timely hit. You figure out what works for you in that D8 spot. It's clearly not Daniel Vogelback. I want to see more Vientos, but Vientos going to have to wait if Tommy Pham keeps hitting like this. So Mets this weekend against the Cardinals and a lot of the old school Mets fans in my life, they detest St. Louis Cardinals. So this is a series that the old-school Mets fan, I think, always has circled on their calendar. And listen, when I think Mets Cardinals, Mets fans don't want to hear this, I will forever remember that classic 2006 best of seven NLCS where I thought the Mets were going to steamroll them. I thought the Mets were fate complete to win the World Series. Down 3-2, goal win game six. Ali Perez, gem, Andy Chavez, catch. And, you know, Yadier Molina. Aaron Heilman, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Beltran. Sorry, I didn't really want to do that. I wasn't trying to poke the bear. I wasn't trying to be an ass. I know I just sounded like I was an ass Mets fans. I'm sorry. I really, I really wasn't. I really was not trying to be a jerk there. And I know that's going to sound like JJ was being really condescending. He was being really smug. And he was really trying to get under the skin of a Mets fan. Well, you ask me, Met Cardinal, what comes to mind? Unfortunately, it comes to mind. Hey, I had to relive 2004 way too much over the last two weekends. I unfortunately got to relive 2004 anytime the Yankees and the Red Sox play. So, what did they say? Misery loves company. Misery most certainly loves company. And quick note on the U.S. Open. The scores today were insanely low. And I know the wind is going to pick up. I know the course is going to be a lot trickier as the weekend goes on. But monster, monster days. My guy, Xander Shoffley, who I picked on East Coast Bias, in the ring of gambling show. Eight on the par. Ricky Fowler, who was trying to win his first major as well. Eight on the par. DJ was terrific at six under. McElroy was terrific at five under. DeChambeau, who was another one of our picks at three under. Scheffler, three under, always lurking, always in the mix. Long story short, U.S. Open is setting up to have a nice little leaderboard. We'll see what takes shape Friday with more of the primetime golf. But if you were to tell me now, this is what your leaderboard is looking like. Shoffley, Fowler, DJ, DeChambeau, Rory, and Scheffler. That's a feed-up scenario Saturday night, Sunday night, in primetime watching the golf, where the golf will take center stage this weekend. It will. Like, Yankees, Red Sox, great. Mets, Cardinals, great. What am I looking forward to the most? The U.S. Open at the L.A. freaking country club. 
I can't celebrate Father's Day. I will salute all you guys who are dads out there, and I appreciate what you do, and I'm sure your kids appreciate what you do. Uh, I know my dad, thinking of him. Got to figure out if I'm going to get him on the golf course on Sunday. It's probably going to be tough to get a tee time. I mean, the problem for me is I'm in a situation where I'm coming from a wedding on Saturday, so it is, it's dicey that I'm going to be able to set it up. I'm trying to figure it out with the great Tommy Keenan. We're dying to play. I'm playing forever with him. So I'd like to get out with Pops on Father's Day. I would. I feel like that's a, it's a nice excuse for me to have a little, you know, father-son time, but he's in the golf. I'm a golf addict. And then, you know, after the wedding, the hangover, we'll golf. And then I got a master Sunday plan. Primetime U.S. Open golf, Yankees, Red Sox, New York, New York. And then how about this? A Bruce Beck appearance for yours truly on Sunday. Got to figure out what suit I'm going to wear. See, I don't care about the rotation on SNY. I have it down to a science. I'm knocking my microphone out. I know what I do on SNY with the suit. I go in order, in order, in order. I'll mix it up every now and again for a baseball night in New York. But with Bruce, you don't do that shit. I do it maybe once or twice a year. You can't wear the same suit. So I now have to go through Instagram pictures to make sure that I don't wear the same suit that I did the last time I was on. That's what's in store this weekend. You're going to love this. Yankees, Red Sox, you want some nostalgia? Brian Bear from Off the Pike. We're going to run through the top five moments of Yankees, Red Sox from our own eyes and our lifetimes. And then the player that used to torment the other the most, top five. That's coming up. So I have a lot of fun with that. And we'll do a ton of voicemails on Sunday night. We'll have Larry with trivia. I look forward to that, Larry. Take it easy on me. Yankee reaction, Met reaction, golf reaction, whatever. I don't even mind if we do a little AMA. If you want to mix it up, we could do that. You guys want to do a little AMA? We'll do a little AMA on Sunday. So 917-382-1151. That will be coming up on Sunday. Brian Barrett and yours truly taking a little trip down Yankee Red Sox memory lane. That's coming up next. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to join today. So you could get the Mets, even with all their struggles, plus money. To make the postseason. The first time we're talking about the Mets is a plus money bet to make the postseason. Let's remember something. National League is weak. There's opportunity to climb. I take a stab. Plus 150, it's a good number. It's good value. I'm going to invest there in the Mets to find their way into the tournament. Which right now, it's going to require a whole lot of work. But plus money, it's a worthwhile investment. So you don't miss your chance. To snag a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Must be 21 and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fandle.com slash sportsbook. And once again, myself, Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and my buddy John Jastrzemski 
from New York, New York. We are collaborating as the Red Sox and the Yankees are getting ready for another series. But JJ, we decided to do something a little bit different this week because the Red Sox are now playing great. Not saying the Yankees are a bad team, but they're not exactly a juggernaut. So let's go back in history to when these teams were both really good. How about that? Well, I love the sound of that. And by the way, I was hoping for a little love from Mr. Brian Barrett after I correctly predicted, might I add, that the Yankees would go and lose (laughs) two out of three to the Boston Red Sox, even though I had to sit there and watch the Yankees get stymied by Garrett Whitlock on Friday. And then on Sunday, Aaron Boone put on a managerial clinic. What else is new? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it, it is nice, Brian, that we can take a little hiatus from the mediocre New York Yankees and I guess the less than mediocre Boston Red Sox. And and we can think back on the peak excellence that these two baseball teams provided, the drama, the moments, all of that great stuff encompassed over the last, I don't know, 20 to 30 years of our lifetime where you can make the argument, we weren't there for Carlton Fisk and Thurman Munson and we definitely weren't there for Joe DiMaggio <laughs> and Teddy Ballgame. I wish we were. I mean, those would be great times. But, I mean, from like 1995 on, which is when I've been a fan, I think you, what are you, a year or two younger than me? So you're like 96, 97. you got a great memory. You're a yeah. juice guy. We, we remember spring. things like it was yesterday. Yeah, we yeah. don't remember what we had for lunch <laughs> yesterday. But we remember why, you know, Mark Bellhorn hit a three-run homer in game six of the ALCS. So, Yeah, man, I think we're the perfect guys to do this. Not to toot our own horn, but just saying, I think we are. All right, so what we're going to do here, we're going to do our top five Red Sox players from the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry and, of course, the top five Yankees, and then we'll do our top five moments for each team as well. So the way that I looked at this, JJ, is against the Yankees, right? Not theoretically like the best players from that era, but the best guys against the Yankees. So I'll start off with my fifth, and then we'll get to your fifth. So number five on my list is an under-the-radar guy. And that's Nathan Avaldi. Okay, Nathan Avaldi, he pitched in that critical game three where the Red Sox won 16 20 Yankee Stadium, seven innings, one earned run. And then the wild card game, 2021. It wasn't Chris Sale that got the start, it was Nathan Avaldi that got the start. He was outstanding in that game, just the one run. Of course, that was a solo shot to Anthony Rizzo. Nate Avaldi was an underrated big game pitcher for the Red Sox in general, but he was really good against the Yankees on two different occasions in the postseason. So under the radar, number five for me is Nathan Avaldi, former Yankee and now former Red Sox. I love Red the choice. I love the choice because, number one, I was thrilled the Yankees got to see Nathan Avaldi find his way to Texas, right? Like, I didn't have to deal with Nathan Avaldi <laughs> in the division any longer. And, and you're right about the fact that 2018, he's a former Yankee. He comes in and was instrumental in shutting the Yankees down in big games in August that year. Pitched great against him in the postseason in what was a pivotal Game 3 swing game. And there was always this what-if because Evaldi got hurt with the Yankees and didn't live up to the billing and obviously performed brilliantly with the Boston Red Sox. So I like that choice. I like that direction. And I'm going in a similar way, Brian, with a former Yankee and a lifelong Yankee who is not exactly going to go down as like a Monument Park Yankee. He's not going to be a future Hall of Famer. But this is a guy who had a knack for killing the Boston Red Sox and was the ultimate pest against the Boston Red Sox. And that's Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner Mm. always seemed to be one of those guys that would come up with big hits against the Red Sox. I think back on a game they played 2019, right after the Red Sox won the division series. Yankees kind of set an early tone of that season. Gordy hitting a grand slam, which 
it's not really his forte because he wasn't a power hitter, but a guy who grinded out at bats, a guy who was just a pain in the neck. All the Red Sox fans in my life, they couldn't stand him. So that's usually like a telltale sign that this guy's getting under your skin a little bit. So I'm going down that road as well here for choice five, and Brett Gardner is my choice. Yeah, he was the pest word is the best way to describe him because it wasn't even about him getting hits all the time. It was just he'd foul everything off and it'd be like 12 pitch at bats. And then all of a sudden you're starting pitcher. He threw 12 extra pitches because Brett Gardner wasn't even trying to put the ball in play. He was just trying to foul everything off. So that guy was incredibly annoying from a Red Sox perspective. All right. Number four on my list. Yankee killer. Pablo Sandoval. I'm kidding. No, no, not Pablo Sandoval. You had me there for a second. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what did I miss yeah. here? Uh, his belt came off. I've never seen that happen before. His belt broke when he took a swing. Terrible deal. But anyway, J.D. Martinez, sneaky one here because in the 2018 series, the playoff series they had, he was really good. Six RBIs, and he hit safely in every game, and they needed it because Mookie in that series was just three for 16. He wasn't good. J.D. had a big three-run shot off J.A. Happ to give the Sox a lead in game one. He also drove in a pair of runs in that 16-1 to game and another RBI in the clincher. So J.D. Martinez was really the most consistent offensive player for the Red Sox in that 2018 ALDS, and he completely changed their lineup that season. He was so good for the Red Sox that season. He was one of the best four to five players in the sport that season. So J.D. Martinez, number four on my list. I like that choice. It's interesting with J.D. Martinez because I think about 2018 and it just felt like he destroyed the New York Yankees. And then it got to a point where later on in his career, Brian, it felt like, okay, he's fading. He's not that guy. But then he would come up with big hits against the New York Yankees. All right, number four. And I'm curious how you feel about this guy, but I'm putting him on the list because he had a couple of big moments against Boston. He had a walk-off home run against Rod Beck in the 1999 American League Championship Series. And to me, he's one of the most undervalued and underappreciated Yankees of the last 30 to 35 years because that whole Steiner Sports core four thing came into place in 2009. Great for Jeter and Pettit and Posada and uh, Mariano Rivera. I love that I'm blanking on Mariano Rivera, for goodness sakes. But Bernie Williams is number four for me. This Hmm. is a guy who hit monster home runs against the Boston Red Sox. For his career, he had 27 homers, 110 RBIs against the Bo Sox. He had a walk-off homer in an American League championship game, starting off 99. To me, Bernie is one of those guys, clutch. You wanted him up there in a big spot, and you wanted him up there against the Boston Red Sox. Did you look at Bernie as a Red Sox killer, or are there guys that are higher on your list as far as that goes? Curious how you There's one guy in particular that I have higher on the list, so if you don't put him in this, I'll get to it. I don't want to spoil that just in case, but yeah, he was, he always had I think had I good... know who it is, by the way. Okay. I think I All know right. who it is. Full disclosure. <laughs> All right, because there's one guy that I couldn't stand, and not that I disliked him as a person, I just disliked him as a member of the Yankees organization, so I'm thinking that you're going to name that guy as well, but yeah, Bernie always gave you a good at-bat, too, a professional at-bat. So he was definitely somebody that the Red Sox fans feared. All right, I got a number three. I have to go Schilling just because game six, the bloody sock. We'll get into that when we get into moments as well. But he goes six innings, one hit with a serious injury. And the other component to Schilling was this. Pedro, historically, the Yankees are my daddy. He wasn't good against the Yankees, right, in so many big playoff spots that that game six, it changed the trajectory of the series. But it was already 
3-2. The Red Sox had won two, but Schilling goes out there in game six. He wins that game. You're like, okay, this series is over. There's no chance that the Red Sox are losing game seven after what Schilling just did. And he sort of brought a toughness to the pitching staff that they didn't have previously with just Pedro and Derek Lowe. So I'd put Schilling number three if it's only for that one game. It's fair, and I understand why. My only counter with Schilling, listen, Schilling was a Yankee killer not only for 2004 with the Red Sox, but of course 2001, yeah. where to me he was even better with the Arizona Diamondbacks in pitching game one and shutting down, leaving in game four with a lead before the Tito Martinez miracle, and then of course pitching game seven, leaving game seven with a two-to-one deficit, which I don't want to get into because it's one of the worst losses of my Yankee lifetime, that game seven of the 2001 <laughs> World Series. But yeah, listen, showing major onions and major stones for that body sock game. But after 2004, it felt like the Yankees solved the Schilling riddle, and maybe it's because his body broke down and he just wasn't yeah. the same pitcher. But I felt like after that 2004 body sock game, Yankees had a lot of moments against Schilling, but I get it. Listen, yeah, I'm putting him in there series. for one game, JJ. Like, I acknowledge. I'm putting him in there for one game. It was one big game, though. I have to put him in there. That's why. Totally, totally fair. All right. Number three on my list. I have a feeling is going to be number one on your list, but that's Hideki Matsui. And that's that him. is the guy, by the way, that <laughs> I knew I you were of. referencing because Matsui wore out the Red Sox. He had monster career numbers against Pedro Martinez. I think back to Game 7 in 2003 when why on earth did Grady Little decide to let Pedro Martinez continue to pitch oh, no, and let no, him to no. go against Hideki Matsui when he roped that double down the right field line. But it always seemed like Matsui had this flair for killing the Boston Red Sox and hitting BBs all over the place at either Yankee Stadium or at Fenway Park. So I have one and two reserved for two very special people but I am putting Hideki Matsui, who had a very terrific Yankee career and capped it off with a World Series MVP in 2009, number three on the list, Mr. Barrett. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm going to have nightmares tonight now thinking of him again after we do this well, show. Well, that's fine. You brought you, you brought up uh, Nathan Ovaldi, so yeah. I get to bring up Hideki Matsui, which fair is fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So number two on my list, I'm going with Manny Ramirez. So even though in that 04 series, like it wasn't the hits, he was the guy the Yankees were scared of. Now, he reached base 40% of his at-bats because the Yankees kept walking him, right? Because at that time, Ortiz wasn't really Ortiz until that series. And Manny Ramirez is sort of the landmine in the lineup. The Yankees were essentially saying anybody but Manny. And he ended up still, it's other guys had big series, like obviously Ortiz, but even like Orlando Cabrera drove in seven runs in that series out of nowhere. Veritek had a really good series. But just the presence of Manny, in the lineup, it's almost like when you have a great shooter in the NBA, like Clay Thompson's in the corner. Even if he doesn't score, he's affecting everything. That's what Manny was in the middle of that lineup as arguably one of the handful of greatest right-handed hitters of all time. I mean, there's some baggage there with Manny and PEDs, but he was great against the Yankees and his presence in that lineup, I truly believe, changed that series. And it's something we don't talk about because obviously the hero is Ortiz and the bloody sock game and all that. Listen, Manny Ramirez killed the Yankees his entire career. He killed them with the Cleveland Indians. He killed them with the Boston Red Sox. He was never a guy you wanted to see up with the game on the line. He always gave me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, steroids and no steroids. He's one of the most phenomenal hitters I've ever seen in my lifetime. So I'm going to have no problem with that, Brian Barrett. And by the way, I'm just thinking about this now. I want an honorable mention. I'm going to give you one 
that should have maybe been on your list, and maybe you could give me one that should have been on my list. Because there's one that I'm surprised you have not mentioned, and I do want to get it off my chest, but I'm going to wait for you to finish up the list. Uh, number two, and I understand he yucked up game four. Not game five. Anybody who says Mariano Rivera yucked up game five is a dope. I mean, it was the tying run on second base. <laughs> Joe Torre's bringing him in with a runner on third with one out. Oh, it's, it's Mariano's blown save in game five. Please, that, that narrative is so overblown. But Mariano Rivera, before game four of 2004, did nothing but get big saves against the Boston Red Sox in the regular season. How about in the 2003 ALCS, where's the MVP? And he threw not one, not two, but three scoreless innings in a game seven against the Boston Red Sox. And he says to this day, and he said it on my New York, New York podcast, that if he needed to go four innings in that particular game, he would have gone four innings in that particular game. So I know you're going to look at Mariano's ERA for his career, and it's a little higher against Boston. But let's also acknowledge the Red Sox were the premier team with the Yankees at right. that point in time yeah. for a good chunk. So, yeah, Pedro's going to have higher ERA against the Yankees. Uh, Rivera's going to have a higher ERA against the Red Sox because they're seeing them all the time. There's like a little bit more of a comfort level as far as that goes. But to say Mariano didn't have big moments against the Boston Red Sox is just totally off base. It's totally nonsensical. And for what it's worth, 58 career saves against the Boston Red Sox. So number two on my list, the greatest reliever of all time, Mariano Rivera. Yeah, and that's one of the most rewarding things about 04 is they finally got to Mariano Rivera, which they historically have never done or had never done up until that particular point in time. Brian, this one, I don't think it's going to surprise you much. And I know if you look at his career numbers, you, you may say, oh, they may be not as good as what he has for his career. But nobody owned the big moment and nobody owned the big moment more against the Boston Red Sox than Derek Jeter. I mean, Derek Jeter was in the middle of everything. And I know maybe you don't fear him because he doesn't hit home runs. He takes his game and brings it to the next level. He had 26 homers, 138 career RBIs against the Boston Red Sox, tons of big postseason home runs, tons of big postseason moments. Beat him in 99, beat him in 2003. Yes, lost to him in 2004. I don't want to ignore that. But I got to put the captain number one. Barrett in the middle of everything in those Yankee Red Sox games, dude. Yeah, I would have been surprised if you had anybody but Jeter number one. Although I will say this, one of the most overrated defensive shortstops in the history of the game. The numbers would back that up. I can understand that. And I a lot of bloopers, that. a lot of extra hey, bloopers because he didn't have three, the range. Hey, those 3,000 bloopers is hits ended yeah. up working out A-OK. So. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Not career. Well, that's what you got to do just, around here. Yeah, I'm just messing with you, man. So I go, obviously, it's Ortiz. Number one, how could it not be? 12 for 31 in that series. 11.99 OPS 04. That's the series I'm talking about. The three bombs, he had the walk-off in game four, and then in game five, the very next night, remember, he ends up with the little bleeder that wins it, and that's when Tim McCarver saying, did he do it again? He did do it again. And then, of course, he hits a home run later on off Esteban Loiza as well. He hit a home run to open up the game seven victory for the Red Sox as well off of Kevin Brown. So he was just unbelievable. I mean, two walk-offs in the same series, JJ. How could it not be David Ortiz? And a guy like Derek Cheater, who always found a way to rise to the occasion, might have had some help from some substances. Uh, okay. Hey, Never proven. Listen, you're getting on my guy Cheater's Never defense. proven. I'm going to get on Big Poppy. And uh, hey, it was uh, the George Mitchell report. We're not going to put Big Poppy in there. See, now we're getting, getting testy, Brian. I like Never it. proven. I like it. Hey, listen, he is a Hall of Famer. And there's no doubt he's the number one Yankee killer of my lifetime. Uh, one guy I'm surprised who is not on your list, Trot oh. Nixon. 
Because I oh, hated that's a good that guy. One. He killed the Yankees. Killed that Roger is a good Clemens. one. I hated that guy. I love Trot Nixon, too. He was a dirt dog. Like, the helmet was always filthy. You couldn't even see the B on the helmet. He was a beast, Well, that's too. the thing. He would have, if he was a Yankee, I would have respected the hell out of him. You know what I mean, Brian? Like, that's why Trot yeah. Nixon was one of those guys who would kill my team and make me sick. All right, what we're going to do now for part two, the top five moments between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And what we're going to do to speed this up a little bit, Brian, I'll let you go first. I'll let you count down five, four, and three. Then I'll respond, go five, four, and three, and then we'll have a little fun with two and, of course, number one. Okay, number five on my list is actually fairly recent, October 5th of 2021. If you remember what that was, it was the wild card game between the Red Sox and the Yankees. This is post-COVID. Everybody's finally out of the house. It's insane. Jerry Remy comes out to throw the first pitch as he was battling cancer. Dennis Eckersley is catching the ball from him. And remember, just later on that month, Jerry Remy passed away. But you could see that was almost, and Eckersley said after the game, that was Jerry saying goodbye after Jerry Remy had passed away. But he throws out the first pitch, and the place was absolutely electric. And then when he comes out, there's sort of waterworks. But you knew when he threw that first pitch from a Red Sox perspective, they were going to win that game. And then what? The first inning, Xander Bogarts takes Garrett Coldy. But that moment of having Jerry Remy out on the field was just unbelievable. All right, then an underrated moment. The Red Sox win game one of the 2018 ALDS against the Yankees. Game two, Aaron Judge goes by the Red Sox clubhouse, playing New York, New York. And what happens after that? The Red Sox win the next game 16 to one. So, and Alex Cora referenced it at the parade that they scored 16 runs at Yankee Stadium. So that was sort of a moment where Aaron Judge got under the skin of the Red Sox. And then number three, I almost had to do like, I was thinking of the brawls. So I was thinking about the Pedro one as an honorable mention where he throws Don Zimmer down to the ground. But you have to go with Jason Veritek, Alex Rodriguez, Arroyo ends up plunk, Brunson Arroyo plunks A Rod. And then, of course, you have the situation where A Rod gets into it with him. Jason Veritek tells him to go to first. He had some choice words. They go at it. It's considered to be a turning point of the season. It was 10 8 in the ninth inning. The Red Sox end up winning that game. But that was just an epic brawl that those two teams had. And that was the disdain that they had for each other at that time. That is a terrific list. A lot of bad memories for me. I was at that wild card game in 2021. Oh, you were? Oh, I sure was. That excellent seats. Uh, It was not a pleasant day. It was not a pleasant day. And then I was yelling and screaming to get Aaron Boone fired right after the game. I didn't get my wish. But uh, that is a vivid, vivid memory for me. And I was in an Atlantic City sports book and stayed for all nine innings of that 17-1 debacle. Uh, and then went <laughs> to game four, drove back, was hungover as hungover can be, and then proceeded to watch the Yankees get eliminated when Eduardo Nunez getting the last out. All right, so I got to go three, four, and five relatively quickly here. So I- I'm going to go with the game three, 2003 ALCS. I don't want to make this too much 2004, too much 2003. So I have two moments from the 2003 ALCS. That game three was epic. I mean, it was Clemens, Pedro. You mentioned Kareem Garcia, Pedro Martinez, Dom Zimmer charging at Pedro Martinez, throwing him to the ground. (laughs) Then you got my guy, Jeff Nelson and Kareem Garcia going at it with that punk groundskeeper. Like it was insanity. It was like one of the most (laughs) insane games you could ever have. And it ended up being a terrific, really well-played baseball game. So I'm putting that number five on the list because I don't want to be too much a prisoner in the moment of 2003. 
Number four, and I was in the building for this, 2021 was a regular season game. John Carlos Stanton hit the furthest ball I have ever seen hit in my life, being right down on the third baseline. The jaws that were dropped at Fenway Park on that particular Saturday late afternoon, it was one of those holy blank, I cannot believe he hit that ball as far as he did. And it kind of propelled the Yankees into getting into that wild card game before they go, of course, and lose to the Boston Red Sox. But being there, and I think I'm a little biased in saying it, Brian, it found its way onto my list. Now, number three, it's not one individual game. It is a weekend. In 2006, the Yankees played five games in four days at Fenway Park. Swept the Boston Red Sox. Five games in four days. It didn't yeah. mean much. Yankees lost in the first round of the playoffs, but it basically put the 2006 Red Sox to bed and won the division for the Yankees. So I'm giving you five instead of one there. So that's five, four, and three. Yeah, and Giancarlo Stanton, sneaky Red Sox killer. That guy always seems to He was my up. honorable mention, by the way. I had him on yeah. the list. I worked Bernie in there instead, but Stan he, easily could be there. Yeah, he was bad in 18, but recently he's been really good against the Red Sox. All right, so I'll give you my number two here. That's the steal. Dave Roberts down three games to none. Millar walks. In comes Roberts. He nearly gets picked by Mariano, by the way, if you go back. He was almost picked. He steals second. And then after that, Bill Miller ties the game up with a single, and we all know what happens after that. David Ortiz with the walk-off. So that was to get yourself back in the series. But that moment where everybody knew he was going to steal. And at the time, it's 3-1 after the game, right? The series, you'll think, okay, maybe this won't be remembered. But now history remembers it because it was an epic moment. And it was just, it was an incredible thing to see. Everybody knew he was going, and he still stole second. It was incredible. And changed the entire feel and complexion of that game and that series. And, of course, the rest, as we know, unfortunately, is history. Number two for me, another regular season game. And you could argue this maybe is one of, if not the greatest regular season game played between the Yankees and the Red Sox. This was a July 2004 game. It's back and forth, haymaker after haymaker. And there's a reason why I put Derek Jeter number one on the list. Going face first into the stands saving the game for the Yankees, comes out looking like a prize fighter who, you know, maybe stumbled upon the wrong bar in town and got into a brawl, you know, with the black guy and the blood gushing all over the place. Kind of symbolized Jeter being all in, doing whatever it takes to go and win for his particular team. And that game was bonkers. My guy, John Flaherty, with the walk-off hit against Curtis Lascanic. So I'm going with that, Mr. Barrett, as number two. Jeter diving into the stands. Fair enough. That's a good one. My number one, the bloody sock game. How could it not be? Kurt Schilling gets a procedure done on the trainer's table because the first game he pitched against the Yankees, he was bad because he's dealing with this ankle issue. Then he goes out there and he gives you a solid outing, gives up just one run. And after that, the series was over. We knew they're winning after they win game six. Schilling's out there on a bloody sock, having a procedure done before the game he knew it was over. So that's number one, unequivocally the best moment. Really? I thought you were going to go with the steal one of the Ortiz walk-offs. Interesting. Well, I kind of combine the steal and the walk-off for Ortiz. And I put Ortiz okay. number one on my list. So I kind of already had the Ortiz, Dave Roberts thing in there. So I the bloody sock thing was just epic. I was in the building for that one as well. I'm dropping a lot of those. I feel like Fred Sess. Did I you? Was there. I was there. Have you missed the Red Sox-Yankees game? How many? Did you Have you been to all of them, man? Jeez. I've been to a lot of good ones. Uh, not to toot my own horn a little bit, but I have. I wasn't at game four and five in Fenway. Thank heavens for that. And thankfully, I was not at game seven. I decided to skip. We went to game six instead, and I knew the series was over. 
Number one for me, and it kind of is a weird moment now because of what happened in 2004 and because he has not been my favorite Yankee manager, but it nah, has to be Aaron Boone. I don't want to listen to this. Well, you know what, though? I don't want to listen to you this. You guys should be over this now. You guys <laughs> won. You guys have won enough. Who cares? Like, it, 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 I wish I could equate it to something with, you know, the long-suffering teams I root for. But, like, it's like 95 for the Yankees with Edgar Martinez. Like, it was a heartbreaker, but then they won four out of five championships. I was good. Everything was okay in Yankee land. But that game, 5-2 down in the eighth inning. Grady Little not taking out Pedro. Posada, Matsui, oh. Mariano, Messina coming out of the bullpen and saving the Yankees derriere. But I will say, Boone, off Wakefield, just as they get back from commercial, it's got to be number one on the list. Yeah, and you know what? Good thing that you mentioned this. The Red Sox got Tito out of it, right? Because Grady Little, you win that series, he's not getting fired. So the Red Sox got an elite manager out of that. So I'm happy that Aaron Boone hit that home run now, JJ. I, I can understand why. Uh, for more reasons than one, too, because he's still the manager of my team. So there's that. <laughs> yep, Aaron Boone will be the manager of my team probably for the rest of my life. All right, Brian, this is a ton of fun. This is a lot more fun than breaking down this weekend's Yankee Red Sox games. But we'll no do doubt. that on Off the Pike. And we'll do that on New York VR coming up on Sunday. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be some inspiring baseball played at Fenway Park. So get your popcorn ready. So that was fun. You know, I'm surprised Barrett did not have Trot Nixon on his list. And I could have thrown Stanton on the list. Stanton has great numbers against the Red Sox. And... It would be nice if John Carlos Stanton delivered on those numbers this weekend when the Yankees desperately need him or somebody in this lineup to go and step up and step up in a big way. Speaking of guys in the lineup that need to step up, Friday, I need to step up. We're going to have an SGP on FanDuel Sportsbook, Yankees, Red Sox. I'm in the lab. Steph already knows the selections. I have figured out a bunch even before the lines have come out. So the lines will be out on Friday morning. We have a winner. Hopefully, coming your way, Yankees and Red Sox. Friday night, you want to check that out on FanDuel Sportsbook. Remember, U.S. Open, Yanks, Sox, Mets, Cardinals, AMA Sunday night, 917-382-1151. Get those in. Come Friday, come Saturday at the beach, at the lake house, in the apartment, in the mansion, wherever you make it. I look forward to them. It will be a late Sunday night show because Yankees and Red Sox even in a pitch clock era, it'll probably go three hours and change, and I'll be hustling over from the NBC studios. But we will chat Sunday night, Monday morning. Stefan, good job as always. It was great seeing you out at City Field on Wednesday. JJ is out. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody. Must be 21-plus in President Select States. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IN-INDIANA. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 
Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 